Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, it is another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. Busy last week. First of all, no Wade, as you can tell, because that's usually his line. But uh, pretty busy week, guys. Got some, uh, got two front of the rotation pieces. Didn't think we were going to get two. Previous shows, talking with Wade, we thought, you know, Snell or Gray was kind of leaning Gray because I thought it would be cheaper. Turns out they went after Snell. Wasn't too expensive. I thought it was a pretty moderate price for Snell. We covered all this in our last episode. I encourage you all to go listen to that if you haven't listened to it already. Covering all the trades with Wade and then talking to Joe Doyle from Prospects Live about the prospects going back. And then you Darvish, I well, I was really against this you Darvish trade because I didn't want to gut the farm system. I, I didn't think there was a reason to go get a 34-year-old starting pitcher. Maybe it has something to do with Lamette's rehab. Maybe it's just the front office is uh, has some kind of uncertainty with Lamette going forward. And they just wanted to hedge and you can never have too much starting pitching, of course. They went out and got you Darvish, and they didn't have to give up a top 10 prospect. The, they sent D- Zach Davies away, unfortunately. RIP Zach Davies. But if you don't have to give up a top 10 prospect, if you're going to up some low-level guys who have – one of them has barely played in the A-ball – or um, I'm sorry, rookie ball, do that trade every time. But on today's episode, we are shifting the spotlight to the move that is possibly flying under the radar for some people. I know um, a lot of – Friar Faithful out there are jacked up about the move for Ha Song Kim or Kim Ha Song. If you're if you've listened to Korean people talk about them, they they go with the, the Kim Ha Song. And I end up doing both because it's you know in Korea you say the last name first. So it's just extra confusing. Chu Shin Su, I don't even get me started on his name because now I'm used to saying it both ways and I cannot keep it straight. Chu Shin Su or Shin Su Chu. Huge tongue twister. But anyway, we're bringing in Jiho Yu, who works uh, at ESPN covering the KBO for them. And we're going to discuss the Kim Ha Song deal because he is intimately more familiar with Kim than most evaluators that you know are just watching tape of him. So enjoyed his introspection on the signing, what we can expect from Kim going forward and how he fits in with his Padres lineup. So before we do that, though, The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL and college football playoffs are right around the corner or already happening. College football final is still to happen, I guess, so you can bet on that. With uh, these sports going on, there's plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat a championship or, you know, championship in quotes, or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go to betonline.ag. From game spreads, totals, to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. You guys know it never closes. So head to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So let's get into Jiho Yu. All right, special guest joining the show now is Jiho Yu. He covers the KBO for Yonhap News in Seoul. He's a contributor to KBO on ESPN. Welcome, Jiho. Um, is ESPN doing that again next year? Do you have any kind of uh, insight there, what their plans are? 
Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, with the ESPN, uh, my understanding was they only had a one-year deal to televise KBO mm -hmm. games. So I don't know, I don't think they will do it again next year. But I guess it depends on when uh, the new MLB season begins, right? When, you know, they yeah. might have no baseball from March to whatever. Uh, they might end up maybe signing the last-minute deal to carry KBO games once again. They were really desperate last year for something to put on TV. So they... Yeah. Uh, they cut that deal with the KBO. That was pretty fun, though. I, I liked watching the KBO. I actually used to live in Busan. I was an English teacher for a oh, few did. years. Yeah. So um, I was a big Giants fan, uh, Lote Giants, not San Francisco Giants. You got to clarify that on this podcast. But um, it was fun to see those games on TV here because there was really no other way to watch them. You must have been really excited to have that kind of access. Well, you're in Seoul now, right? But um being from Toronto, it had to be it had to be kind of cool to kind of get that new exposure to the states and uh, I guess Canada. Yeah, you know those ESPN games were also available in Canada uh, through mm -hmm. their ESN affiliate, and uh, yeah, it was cool. Uh, it was because you know I'm, I'm a big baseball fan. Obviously, uh, when I was living in Toronto back in the mid mid nineties, early two thousands, uh, I would watch you know Sunday night baseball, uh, you know, Wednesday night baseball, and all that. And even in Korea, you know, I have access to through MLB TV, watch all those ESPN games and to be going on air and talking to those people that I would, you know, I was only used to watching, uh, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Brooke Shambi, just, uh, mm. you know, Jason Benetti was on one of the games that, that I was on, uh, Jessica Mendoza, uh, Ed Perez and guys like that. So it was a pretty cool experience, cool experience for, for myself personally. And also, you know, to have all these eyeballs on the KBO, uh, you know, this league has been around for over 30 years and it has never had this much uh, international <laughs> exposure, right? Uh, I think the only thing people really kind of knew about the KBO was the bat flips, uh, maybe some wild cheering culture uh, and I guess the bat flips and all that. But uh, I guess people were able to finally see uh, the product on the field. Uh, obviously, it's not on the par with MLB, uh, but uh, that's not the point, right? Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, think, I think people got to see uh, the kind of baseball being played on this side of the world. I really regret not watching more Heroes games and scouting Kim Ha-sung when I had the chance. What mm -hmm. was the reaction in Korea among baseball fans to him going overseas, joining the Padres? Is he, I don't know, I don't have a feel for what kind of star he was compared to other guys that have come over like recently. Um, Hyunjin Ryu was the, the, all over the place when I was there. Um, what, what has been the reaction like for, for Ha Song Kim? Yeah, review. I mean, he was the MVP and the rookie of the year in the KBO. So he was the, the biggest star in the KBO when he went to the Dodgers back in 2012, late 2012. Uh, and other players who were posted and went after Ryu, you're talking about guys like Cheong Ho Gong with the Pirates, mm -hmm. uh, Pyeong Ho Park with the Minnesota Twins. Um, we had, uh, you know, uh, I think it was. Jagan Huang with the San Francisco Giants and a couple of guys like that. They're all stars, all stars, MVP winners. And Kim Ha Sung, uh, he hasn't won an MVP, but he's been in sort of in the top five, top seven ish in the MVP voting. Uh, but if you, if you just look at the K Korean position players uh, this year, he was one of the very best. Uh, you know, Korea high 30 homers, playing shortstop, a little bit of third base, uh, you know, hitting over 300, stealing 23 bases. You know, drawing more more walks than strikeouts for the first time in his career, and all that, and driving over 100 runs, scoring over 100 runs. 
Um, so he put up some gaudy numbers across the board. Uh, he's always been a, a star in the making. Uh, he re really, really broke out, I think, this year. Picked the perfect time to have the kind of season that he had uh, in 2020, just before he got posted. In terms of him going to the Padres, I think people were surprised that he ended up on that team, just because they don't seem to have any position for him, right? Uh, you know, they're set in third base and shortstop. Uh, got uh, Machado and Tatis Jr. on the left side of the infield. And Cronenworth uh, playing second base, uh, you know, one of the Rookie of the Year candidates this past season. So mm. it doesn't look as though there is an immediate, obvious need uh, at any of the infield positions. But it looks like I've heard, I I'm, I'm sure you did, you did too, but I've heard something like Cronenworth moving to outfield and making room for Kim at second base or using Kim as sort of a utility guy who can play all, all, who can play all over the infield. Well, we've, as we're recording this, uh, the Padres are up to a ton of, you know, free agent and trading acquisition. They're, they're all over the place right now. And I kind of anticipated, you know, with uh, Kim Ah-Song coming over that maybe Jake Cronenworth, what, what does AJ Preller have in store for Cronenworth? Is, does he value the depth that he provides now? Um, is Kim going to be more of a depth piece? Like, does Cronenworth get traded as part of a U Darvish deal? And I don't know if you were watching the news. Um, as we're recording this, like just a few minutes ago, you Darvish was traded to the San Diego Padres. Mm -hmm. So Cronenworth not included in that deal. So it looks like everybody's going to stay put. Other deals could happen. You never know. But um, yeah, it's really interesting what they're going to do at second base now because Cronenworth is really good defensively too. And Kim, you know, it's it's not his natural position, but you anticipate him playing like a pretty good second base, maybe above average, or, or how do you see him playing second? Yeah, he hasn't played there a lot. Uh, if at all. I mean, he played, I think, 16 innings as a rookie back in 2014 at second base, and that was it. Uh, so he's mostly been a shortstop and some third base this year uh, just because his KBO team, Keum Heroes, signed Edison Russell, a former Chicago Cubs shortstop, mm -hmm. in the middle of this season. So they, ha they asked him to, they asked him to move over to third. I, I think he handled it pretty well. Uh, and eventually he moved back to shortstop because Russell was a bit of a disappointment on the field and at the plate. Uh, but in terms of second base, I, I think Kim, uh, you know, he's only 25 years old. I think he's young enough to, and also athletic enough to be able to uh, learn that new position. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a big challenge doing it at MLB level compared to KBO. But I think he's got the talent to do it. Uh, obviously, if you're getting if you're getting paid that much money, you you, you do what your what your team asks you to do. So yeah, uh, yeah, I you know where, wherever he ends up, uh, obviously probably not the first base, but. Uh, Second, uh, shorter, uh, third base or shortstop. Uh, I think he'll be able to handle that. Do you have a feel for what he's like as a person? Have you ever had a chance to talk to him, interview him, or anything? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been in a few scrums with him. Uh, he's a very quiet guy. Uh, okay. He's not the most interesting interview. I think I figured it out. <laughs> uh, he kind of he gives the stock answers, you know, kind of sticks to Korean sports cliches and all that. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, we have the equivalent of giving 110%, taking one day at a time, that kind of thing. Love that, love too. it. <laughs> yeah, so he, he kind of does that, but he's the very prototypical, I'll let my action on the field do the talking kind of player. So, uh, and he's he's very, um, very uh, self-disciplined. He takes great care of himself. Uh, so you're not going to hear him getting into any trouble, I don't think, off the field. So he's going to be uh, pretty, I think, pretty much focused on the, uh, on, you know, pursuing his major league dream. That's good to hear. I like that. And, you know, the focus, this is discipline. That's not something that's always a guarantee with um, international players. And even, you know, that's kind of maybe an, an Asian player cliche that they come over like that. And then you get some examples where they're not like that. So 
Um, you never know. Uh, I'm happy to hear that he's, you know, that kind of quality of a player. And I'm, I'm kind of curious because you said he's soft-spoken, gives cliche answers, um, kind of keeps to himself maybe. That is not what the Padres are built like right now. The Padres are oh. a very outspoken, uh, flamboyant, uh, proud team. How do you think? It's kind of a, an interesting mix. Do you think that was it something he knows about or how, how do you think he chose the Padres uh, other than money and the team being really good? I don't know. What do you think were the factors in choosing the Padres? Yeah, you know, for every Fernando Tatis Jr., I guess you're going to need a Kim Ha-sung, right? Yeah, uh, it's a good balance. I mean, every team needs a player like that. I mean, you're not going to have 25 rah-rah kind of guys in the clubhouse. You know, if there's 20 guys who are outspoken, you're going to have a few guys who are maybe on the quieter side. Uh, quieter side. So mm. yeah, I, don't, I don't see the problem with that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's a little different behind the scenes, uh, away from the media. Uh, Kim, that is. Um, yeah. In terms of his decision to go with the Padres, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think he might have, you know, maybe the proximity to the Korean community, uh, being in California. Uh, I don't know what the situation is in San Diego, but my, they might have been coming to play. Uh, I'm sure the, the money also obviously became a factor. Uh, the, the, maybe the term, the length of the, of, of the guaranteed deal might have been a factor. Who knows? Uh, you know, my, I've spoken to a couple of sources. Um, I've heard there were three pretty legitimate competitive offers on the table. And I think only one of the teams offered maybe longer than five years or at least five years. Uh, I guess we're going to find out if it was the Padres offering five plus years. Maybe it was just a four-year deal, but more money than the other teams. But uh, obviously, when, you, you know, when you're making the decision, money has to come, has to come into play. Um, uh, so, yeah, just, uh, as far as whether he is aware of the culture of the Padres, I guess he might be, uh, you know. Korean players, they pay attention. You know, they watch MLB. They mm-hmm. follow MLB pretty closely, uh, especially guys that are wanting to go overseas, guys like Kim. You know, they know what's going on. So and they've seen those uh, homer celebrations, I'm sure. You know, they've <laughs> seen those, uh, you know, Grand Slam, the seventh inning of a 10-run game uh, on a three-account. I've seen, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think I'm pretty sure he's seen that. So he's, uh, I think he's kind of, you know, he's ready to jump in and uh, try to, you know, mingle with the guys. I bet he adapts pretty well and the guys kind of, welcome him and it's it's a it's a fun group so i imagine that they you know have a little bit of fun with him maybe some early teasing try to get him out of his shell a little bit um it's gonna be interesting to follow that all season and there's a good uh, korean culture in san diego the, there's not a korea town like la but there is a, a section of town where there's a lot of korean stuff going on mm-hmm. so um i'm sure that'll be a welcome surprise if he doesn't know about it yet just like a little taste of home if he ever needs it and yeah la is not too far away and being on the west coast has to to help with travel if you're when you're going back home um, what do you think was the reason for him choosing to go to MLB this season? Was he testing the waters? Um, did he know this was something he always wanted to do? Um, does he have any relationships with other Koreans who are already here? What do you think his mindset was, um, coming to the States? Yeah. So he got posted. So under the rules of posting between MLB and the KBO, uh, the player becomes eligible when they finish their seventh full year and he, Kim became eligible this year. And he wanted to go to MLB as soon as he became eligible. And mm-hmm. he got the word from his team last year that the team promised him last year that they were going to post him in 2020 uh, because he asked them to do, do, do so. He wanted to go to the majors. Uh, he wanted to go at his, at his first chance that, that, that he got. Um, so, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long dream for him to go uh, you know, test the market, test himself against the bigger challenge. 
And uh, I think one of the bigger assets for him working in his favor is the fact that he's only 25 years old and he's already been playing since 2014. Uh, mm. I think he might be the youngest guy to make that jump uh, from the KBO to MLB reposting. Uh, most of the other players, when they have completed the seventh year, uh, they're later in their 20s or maybe in the early 30s. So uh, I think he's, he's, he sees himself as a, as a viable, competitive MLB guy at this point in his career. So, so he wanted to test himself. Uh, and, he, you know, he didn't really have a lot left to prove in the KBO anyway. Uh, you know, he was consistently 20, 30 homer guy, you know, 15, 20 steals, close to 300 every season, plays good defense. So he's been doing that for five, six years. Um, so he didn't really have a lot left to prove. He's still pretty young, like you said, 25. Hopefully just coming into his full power potential. And I've seen a wide range of forecasts on him. And in the first year, you never really know what to expect. He could catch the league by surprise and have an outstanding year, outperform himself. Or he could struggle to adjust, underperform. It's going to be really tough you know, to kind of gauge where he fits in just one year. But where do you what do you expect to see from him? Uh, I know it's like an average season for him going forward. He's still pretty young. Um, and then who would you kind of who do you see him being compared to to a player that's already here in the states? Oh wow! You know, I guess just in the KBO terms, uh, you know, he might have been someone like Carlos Correa. Uh, yeah. You know, not a plus plus defender, but serviceable, above average, but a better hitter than he was a defender. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, so I'm not saying he's going to put up career, career numbers in the ML, in MLB, uh, but he was kind of like that in the KBO when he, when Kim was playing. Uh, I've seen some numbers uh, from like you know sites like Fangraphs, all those projections. Uh, you know, uh, they don't know I'm, shit though. The, the computer, <laughs> come on, computers don't know what they're talking about. They, they, how are they? How do you forecast what the guy does in Korea and then comes over? I never understood those forecasts. Yeah, I know it's it's hard, right? I mean, the the pitching's different. Uh, the 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 average velocity of I just looked looking at some numbers. Uh, the last full season MLB, the average fastball velocity was something like ninety three miles an hour, mm. and this year in the KBO was something like eighty eight or eighty nine miles an hour. So that's a big difference. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a huge difference, and he's gonna see. You know the back end of the bullpen. He's going to see 9900. Oh, yeah. You never see that in the KBO. Uh, I think the hardest pitcher that he pitched that he saw this year it might have been 94, 95. Uh, so that's a big adjustment, obviously, uh, for the hitters going from Asia to to MLB. So uh, you know, I, I think the Padres would be happy to have anything above double digits in home run, uh, uh, 10 plus. I think they'll be happy first year. Uh, if they play a full 163 game season, that is, yeah, and I think I, I think they'd be happy if he'd be able to handle multiple positions, uh, be it second base or spell Tatis at shortstop or kind of you know spell Machado at third if he wanted to take a break or two or, or something like that. So, yeah, uh, and also I think it's interesting that his move kind of comes in, kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because it came right after Blake Snell trade and. Uh, and right after this, you uh, Darvish trade. Those are obviously bigger names, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think I don't know if a lot of the casual fans will even remember that the Padres signed Kim. Uh, you know, there's the Snell trade, there's the Darvish trade. Well, by the way, we also we also signed this Korean guy. Uh, so <laughs> I, so I, I think the pressure is not going to be so much on his shoulders to uh, to prove that he's you know worth the money that he's going to get. Uh, I think he's walking into a good situation where. He's going to be surrounded by a lot of star players uh, uh, in the lineup and uh, in the infield. So I don't think he 
will feel the pressure to go out there and start start producing numbers right away. Yeah, hopefully batting, you know, like seventh or eighth in the lineup frees him up to, you know, not feel any pressure and go out there and, you know, he might struggle at first. Don't worry about it, you know. Um, I kind of see like a, a comp to Jake Cronenworth here where it's maybe a good defensive player, minimal power. Jake Cronenworth hit a few home runs last year, but clearly isn't a power guy. So they're kind of in the same 10 to 15 homer range and then provides maybe more speed than Jake Cronenworth. You you thought maybe he can do 15 to 20 stolen bases. Um, does that sound close to what you think he could do? Yeah, that sounds reasonable. I mean, he's, this year he stole 23 and then mm-hmm. he stole first 20 without getting caught. So he, you know, he gets good jumps and all that. Uh, I think the speed is one thing that would probably translate to MLB. Yeah, it sounds like Jake Cronenworth kind of does everything pretty well, but not over here at least, nothing outstanding, yeah. not at least for the first couple of years. Yeah, I mean, the KBO, Kim has been one of the better power hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just because of velocity differences and all that, I don't, and also the ballparks are being bigger. Uh, I, I don't know, I can confidently say that, oh, just because he hit 30 homers in the KBO, he's going to hit 25, 20 in the MLB. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't actually know he's going to be able to match that number. But anything over 10, 10, 15 range in first year, uh, I think in, I think the Padres should be pretty happy with that. Are we going to get to see a lot of people wearing Padre jerseys and Padre hats now in Korea? More so than you before. Know, he's, not, he's not the first Korean guy to play for the Padres. I know, uh, I know. We had, we had uh, Park Chan-ho Chan-ho for a while. Park, uh, Cha Sung-baek uh, back in the 2005-ish, I think. And mm-hmm. Chan-ho, he's, he's got... Uh, He's working for a front office. I think he's got a role with the front office now. So he's yeah. I forgot where he is. He's he's somewhere in the, with the team. Yeah, some sort of a advisor role. Uh, there's a whole bunch of former Dodgers that are doing the same <laughs> with the uh, Padres front office. But anyway, uh, yeah, I you know they're being in the same division as the as the Dodgers. Uh, even though the Dodgers no longer have any Korean player, uh, they still remain the team in Korea among MLB fans in this country. So. So Padres are going to have to compete with the Dodgers for attention, uh, even though they now have a Korean player, a, a pretty good one in Kim Ha-sung. Are we? Are people going to wake up at 5 a.m. to watch him play, kind of like they did with uh, Ryu when they when he pitched? Yeah, you know, actually, West Coast games are not too bad. Uh, yeah. During the week, uh, like those uh, evening games, it will be around 10 a.m., 11 a.m., right? So it's not too bad. Hmm. Uh, I think people prefer West Coast games to... You know, now that Ryu is pitching for Toronto, he's he's on the East Coast. Uh, a lot of games are seven a.m., eight a.m. I think people would prefer sort of ten a.m., eleven a.m. gaming. <laughs> so they kind of sneak in a glance at work, that kind of thing. They could watch games on their phones and stuff. Whereas you know, if it's seven and eight a.m., they're on their way to work. Uh, it's a little more difficult, I guess, to to uh, to watch. So yeah, West Coast, uh, the time slot, I think, it works perfectly with the Korean audience. It'll give the Korean Ajishi something to watch while they're drinking soju at 10 a.m. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Every day going to work, I would pass this restaurant filled with Korean guys at 9 a.m. drinking soju. It was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jiho, thank you so much for making some time. Um, time difference made it you know, challenging to meet with you, but uh, appreciate you coming on. And uh, are you working on anything? Are you coming on ESPN anytime soon? What's, what's something we can look out for you, um, something for you to promote? Oh, you know, I'll I'll be on MLB Network Radio actually in a uh, in about eight hours. <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna miss 7, that one. Yeah, seven thirty Eastern in the morning. So, uh, but I, actually, I'm gonna be on uh, with uh, John Morrissey and and the guys to talk about Kim and also the KBO. 
So that's nice. the we'll talk them up and talk up the Padres while you're there. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna do. Cool. Uh, good luck on the rest of the season. Um, hopefully, we can maybe talk to you again as the year progresses to see how uh, Kim is doing and um, have a have a good rest of your day. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me today. All right. Special thanks again to Jiho Yu. Really enjoyed having him on. He was a fun guy. Very accommodating for a guy who's in Seoul, Korea. Not easy to coordinate with people that far away. But anyway, before we get out of here and before we do our uh, our dreadful, dreadful lock of the week, wanted to go over the Tatis extension stuff again because the talks with Tatis have kind of picked up. Well, the talks around Tatis and his extension have kind of picked up lately. CBS is running with an article that's, you know, citing that uh, AJ Preller has, you know, he told MLB Network apparently that they've had preliminary type discussions with Tatis. And they've been saying that for about a year. So I don't know why CBS and MLB Network like thought this was news. It got everyone, it got all of us talking about it at least, I guess. But they've had, they've been having preliminary discussions for about a year. So I don't know why this all of a sudden became something for them to write about when there seemed to be a lot of other trades and things going on that they could write about. But right around CBS, uh, Catherine Aquavella, that's a sweet name. Um, she wrote a little piece covering what a deal might look like. And I encourage you guys to go go on cbssports.com and check out her article. They did kind of the same thing we did a couple of episodes ago. So if you haven't listened to our episode from... I guess it was three episodes ago, episode 71, for the love of God, extend Tatis. So Wade and I cover a lot of uh, the, the precedent for deals like this, which there are there is not a lot of precedent of. We, we talked about uh, signing a young player this age who's this good already. It just doesn't – it hasn't happened much in recent history, and that's kind of all you can compare it to is recent history. We talked about the Mike Trout extension. We talked about the Ronald Acuna extension. And we thought, me and Wade, just, you know, two menches cutting it up, thought that uh, Tatis would have to get more than those guys. And we thought, you know, he would approach some kind of deal. Why would you sign a deal for anything less than, you know, what maybe Manny Machado is making already? So a deal in the neighborhood of about $300 million. Well, that may have been a little optimistic for Tatis. Uh, it, it's hard to predict these things. So what you can, all you can really do is look at the precedent that's been set and, you know, the, the eight year extension for Ronald Acuna, which was for a hundred million dollars. That was just a couple years ago. And then Alex Bregman, which is cited in the article that we did not cover, but he signed a six year, hundred million dollar extension in 2019. And then there was the Mike Trout extension. The first one in 2014, which was six years, $144.5 million. So just because of the time between that deal and this deal, and I think we all thought the Acuna deal was a little light, we're, we're looking at you know over $150 million easily, I think, for Fernando Tassi Jr. Some people might disagree. This article says they might come to an agreement, and they're calling it the sweet spot deal, which is six years, $120 million. And... You know, take him through his arbitration years at, at a team-friendly deal, and then up his AAV after that to where he's you know making over twenty million dollars a season. 
I, I still, and then, you know, the, the idea is for him to take a slightly shorter deal. So he hits free agency. He, he doesn't want to probably hit free agency after 30. So he's probably going to take a, a slightly shorter deal because he's already 22. He's uh, closer to free agency than Acuna was at the time. So does that increase the price tag significantly? Probably. Yeah. So there's a lot of things to consider here. He wants to get to free agency before 30. So we're looking at a deal shorter than eight years. So if he's in that six, seven year range, I think $120 million is really light. I don't know why Tatis would sign this deal for $120 million. I, th- I think my initial, me and Wade were, were shooting, um, shooting the shit last time about what kind of deal it would be. And we're, you know, if you're Tatis, you want as, as much money as you can get. We kind of forgot to take into account that he wants to reach free agency again in his prime to make sure he gets that huge second contract. So that $300 million deal over, you know, 10, 11 years, that's, that's probably not going to happen. So take a slightly shorter deal, six years, maybe seven years. And I'm looking at anywhere between 150 and $200 million. So that, that changes the math quite a bit. The big problem here is that of course the pandemic has really screwed up salaries for a lot of teams. It looks like the the Padres are one of the teams that has been willing to add salary. And if you sign Tatis to a deal now where there's most, it's mostly deferred payments at the back half of the contract, which seems to be a a popular thing to do. Then the Padres are kind of saving themselves for the next few years anyway, which is, we all agree the window you keep, keep his AAV down, keep his surplus value up. And this is the team that you're you're running with. You don't want to add too much salary to it, but the Potters have been willing to add salary. So keep the salary. You, you sign with this deal. You pay pay him through arbitration years. You lock him up through um, the first few years of free agency. Everybody's happy. The Padres don't add a lot of salary to this year's team in 2021 or even next year's team in 2022. And I think that's a win win for everyone. And he's gonna he's gonna be making more than Trout or Acuna at the same age. So we'll see. Uh, I would, I would bet it's over $150 million at this point in that, in that range for uh, six to seven years. Um, other than that, I said, we're going to do lock of the week, but because I'm recording this on Sunday, we will do a lock of the week. We'll do a first week of the playoffs lock. That's kind of when, you know, this week was crazy. I don't even know why we bothered betting on games this week. So many of the games were were meaningless for playoffs or one team was into it, one team wasn't. The, the lines were all over the place. Uh, Wade's got his Washington football team playing later tonight. He had them minus one and a half. My Jets already lost. I don't know how the Jets lost that game. But uh, we'll save lock of the week for next week. We'll do. I'll probably do another show with Wade at some point before the playoff games. So that's when we'll do that. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Please follow the show's Twitter account at Fire Farmhands. And if you enjoy the show, subscribe. We're on all your favorite platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and a rating of the show on all platforms. You've been listening to the Believe in Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. I'm Ryan Hart. We'll talk to you next week. Destination, though you may find from time to time. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.